Welcome to episode 13 of the Attic Sessions and we have a special poetry focus today um, because we're going to be first airing this programme on All Ireland Poetry Day which is the 27th of July. So we're delighted to be joined by two very eminent poets in Ireland, uh, Jean O'Brien and Mary O'Donnell. Welcome to the Attic. Thank you. Uh, thanks Thank for you. coming along. Um, and. We're really excited to talk to you because between you, I, I counted probably wrongly that between you, you've published about 20 books between poetry collections, stories, novels, um, and you've won many of the leading awards, both in Ireland and internationally. So you know what you're talking about in terms of the writer's life. Um, and that's what we wanted to talk to you about, really, this, this sense of, you know, from your perspective, sustaining the writer's life, what, what that's meant to you, how you've done it and what you've learned along the way, I suppose, is really the, the, the focus. Um, so if, if I could start with Jean okay. and ask how you started, what, what okay. was the thing that got you writing? Got me going. I, I just want to add that I think um, of the 20 books between us, Mary is responsible for at least 50. Well, 15. that's that's <laughs> not me. I can may or may not you. be. But yes. anyway, yes. Mm. Um, my mother wrote, my mother, I, I, I suppose people are bored listening to this, anyone who does know my work, but my mother was mentally ill and killed herself when I was in my teens. And as you know, teens are very seminal times. And she wrote, mm. and I spent a long time afterwards trying to decipher her writing. It wasn't very good, which I now see it was very much of its time. But I still was looking for a window into her in mm -hmm. some way. And it planted that idea in me that you could put your thoughts. She had diaries as well, which mm. I, for some reason, I was the keeper of the, the photos and the diaries and the wedding ring and all the rest of it. So I think that's where the idea was planted. Mm -hmm. And I used to write little bits and pieces and send them off to Bunty magazine, published one of my letters, Bunty comic, not magazine. I, I, I got Bunty. Oh, yeah. I was a Bunty fan. <laughs> yeah. a Bunty fan, yeah. that kind of yeah. thing. And... Um, I started with prose though, I started doing a little bit of freelance journalism and short stories. I didn't get to the poetry until later and it was a case, I was very disappointed. I thought I was going to be Tolstoy doing the short stories but far from it. And um, very kindly Ireland Own, who's a great publisher, one of the, lar the largest publisher in Ireland, used to publish my stories which I very boldly put under my mother's name. And paid very well. And they paid very well at the time. Absolutely. So I was absolutely delighted. Um, but my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I realised that, that. And then I turned to the poetry and originally joined a workshop that Dermot Bulger had started and a chap from Finglas called John Grundy, who oh. used to be on the scene in the Grapevine Arts and all that. And I went to my first workshop and ran home in terror and didn't go back for a year because they all seemed to know something that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So I went home, but I kept writing away at home. And were they welcoming to? They were very coming? welcoming. It was all in my head, this yeah. stuff, all in my head. 
So uh, what age were you then? Oh, I was well old enough. No, I was in my late 20s. I had been doing the bit of journalism and the bit of freelance and this and that. So it was in my late 20s. I I came at the poetry late, Mm -hmm. but had always written Mm. of some type or another, you know. And, and Mary, does that resonate with you? Would, would you have had a similar experience? Or? Well, I, th- I think I probably had a different entree to it in a way because I, I began to write when I was very young. And um, one of the greatest gifts I think my mother ever gave me was to exclaim at my first poem. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, um, and her immediate suggestion was, let's send this off to Paul Hamlin in London. This is oh. the children's publisher, okay, who published at that time Octopus Books. Now this is, we're talking about a four-lined rhyme. And um, so I sent it off and lo and behold, I got a, pl- a, a personal reply from Paul Hamlin <laughs> saying that, well, dear Mary, um, we loved your poem. Unfortunately, we don't have a niche for it at the moment. But please do keep on and oh, feel free to send go. us anything there else you go. might write. And you know, it was just so encouraging, yeah. you know, to a child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just, you know, wrote in a stop start way. And we I, I came from a very bookish family, but we didn't have any literary connections. So um, writing and art were very much approved of, but nobody really knew how to go about, you know, doing much else mm. about it mm-hmm. beyond writing. Mm-hmm. And um, and you were St. Louis girl, weren't you? Because I, I think. Did yes, you that's right. In Monaghan. Monaghan? Yes. I'm, a Louis I'm from girl Monaghan. From, yes. from were you a Louis girl? For a short while, yes. The three yes. Louis girls in, <laughs> I was in, a Louis in, girl in the too, attic. Yes, what are the chances yes. of that? But did, did you find that the school was encouraging that kind of writing? Um, not really. Um, I mean, it, it, of course, it depended what teacher you had. And the, the formative teacher that I was to have didn't come until I was 17 and 18 mm-hmm. in the Leaving Cert cycle. But, um, you know, mostly I just wrote myself during the holidays mm-hmm. or if I couldn't sleep or I, I think that some part of me was always given to reflection. I was also yeah. very drawn by nature mm-hmm. and maybe very influenced by the romantic poets. And so I'd write when I was feeling inspired and just put it away. Yeah. And that's how, it, you know, and the odd thing was published in the local paper, which mm-hmm. my parents exclaimed at. I was oh very lucky. Yeah, yes, yes, having having that sort of sense of 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 encouragement and not having to kind of fight for uh, self-expression because it was it was encouraged. Yeah. Um, so, what was the point then that you began to think of yourself as a writer? You know, it didn't happen for quite a long time. Um, I think after I got married and. Um, Ireland was in an, another recession. This this was what 1977, or it was heading into another recession, and there wasn't much going on. And I got to know another writer called Claire O'Connor, whom, who's mm. familiar to some people because she lived in Maynooth as well. Mm. And we began to have one-to-one workshops, and it was very simple things like picking a word from a dictionary. I would take my typewriter to her house, the old Olivetti, <laughs> and we'd go off into separate rooms oh and compose well. a poem, oh well. uh, spend an hour or half an hour, come back to one another and talk about Brilliant. what we had written. Uh-huh. And she got her poems published first in David Marcus's New Irish Writing in the Irish Press in 1981. And I encouraged by that I got my first poem published there in 1982 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's when I began to think of myself as a writer when I saw my my name in print mm. in what was a serious mm. literary page yeah. that everybody read 
So, Jean, you were saying that your first writings were published under your mother's name. Under my mother's name, So yes. at what point did you start sending <laughs> out say, under your name? When own? I started writing the poetry, yeah. once it was the poetry. I think because my heart was in the poetry, the other, I was sort of writing it to get published, really, mm. to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, can I just sort of backtrack slightly yeah. there and just add, when Mary was saying that, you know, since she was very young, of course, the first book that my mother had and I read avidly was Palgreave's Golden Treasury and spent, you uh -huh. know, yeah. many, yeah. many years reading it endlessly. You yeah. know, so. I mean, I think those uh -huh. anthologies are a really important influence Brilliant. because it's yes. either like the soundings which we had in school yes. and where you couldn't find many women voices and certainly yeah. not women yeah. that were still alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, are those, you know, certainly didn't find them in Palgreaves yeah, back in those days, yeah. but I still loved them, loved the rhythms and the rhymes and the absolutely. Uh, so did you sorry. try David Marcus? Uh, I was never published by David Marcus. I was never published by him. Yeah. OK, yeah. so what was the big I know what was the big breakthrough um, was probably when I when the workshop I was in eventually sort of turned into Dublin Writers Workshop, of which you're familiar with, Nessa. You're familiar with the two, I mm. think. Um, I wasn't in it, but which I knew came about out it. of yeah. one that Martin Roper had originally set up, coming out of the one I mentioned previously, coming out of the okay. one up in the because I think Carnell. that that started <coughs> was it in the Oak in in yes in yes Dame Street? I, I, it started in Martin's house in okay. his flat at the time, yeah. and then it went around to a few houses, and then it went to the Oak. I think it was going about four or five years before it got into the oak. Okay. We used to meet in a pub up in Parnell Square as well. And um, so that was when I started taking it seriously because we were all taking it seriously and we were all pushing to get published. And, mm. and so I, many of the people in that group all did, of them, didn't oh, they? I think all of anyone yeah. who stayed at it and stuck at it mm. over the years, I think every one of them published in one form or another because it was short story and poetry yeah, yeah. and um, and very long lasting because you know absolutely I joined in, in 94 I know and in different yes. about 2002 2003 so I know in different guises it kept going and kept going yeah absolutely. no it was great I, I, I do remember one time they sent the radio down to us to interview us because we did take every prize in Ireland we took I don't mean me personally yeah, I mean the workshop the, yes the workshop. if you think about it, we had taken a number of Hennessy's, if you remember yeah. Sheila and Ted and yeah. various number yeah. of Hennessy's, many Kavana. Patrick Kavanagh's, uh -huh. uh, the Goethe won, you know, everything. Strokestown. Strokestown. Yeah. We won, we just would always, one of our members, and at the time we had a thing where when you were accepting your prize, you'd say, my name is whatever and I'm a member of the Dublin Writers Workshop. So they sent RTE down to us once or twice to know what magic alchemy was happening down there. Excellent. And it did seem like an alchemy, you know. That sounds wonderful. like the Dublin Writers Workshop was very good at organising. We were having a conversation earlier which yes, we won't yes, but about organisation. I mean, we used to bring our own books out. I used to sell them in Grafton Street. I used to go around to the bookshops and put them into the bookshops, which would take them because they were all private little bookshops, take them on sale and return. Do you remember Acorn 1 and 2 and 3 and this carry on? But my first big publication, because I know at the time when I started, which was kind of way back, our big thing was to be published in Poetry Ireland. Yes. You were not a poet proper until. So I had published many small journals, yeah. but I, Thomas McCarthy put the first one and I think they called it a women's issue. That was 1984. It had three men in that? it. I do, yes. Are you in that Mary, I'm in as well? That as well. There it were four men and four the rest men. of us were women. And for some reason then they women. called it a women's issue. But at the time when there would be 
39 men and four women. Nobody ever called them men's issues, okay. which I was kind of amused at. So it was Thomas Carthy. Now, not who published my first poem, but published yeah, me first, first in Poetry so Ireland. So that breakthrough so kind of moment that, of As far as I was concerned, that was it. Yeah. Um, so, Mary, did you, 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 you know, you were describing yourself and, and Claire having these sort of uh, mm, private sort of mm. workshopping sessions. Did you ever join a, a larger group or was that part of your I was with, for, for about two years, I, I was with the, I think they called themselves the Dublin Women's Writers Group that met in the Irish Writers Centre. Okay. And I was in that from 92 or 91 to 93, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I I gave up after after I had um, my child in '93. I just found even coming one Saturday a month, I found it was a commitment I yeah. couldn't oh. make at that time. Yeah. And after a few months, I gave up. Mm -hmm. But that was the only one. But I found that for me, it didn't always work because I know that I was only bringing my very best work in there. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, it really depends who's in groups and yeah. how far you what the level, you mm. know, you, you mm. need to find the right balance between pleasant, um, useful rivalry mm. and, yes, but, yes. but also, you know, and nothing else. And, um, you know, there were some people in the group who had never been published and had mm. never published anything. Mm. And I, I wasn't, at that time, I didn't really rely on all the judgment that might have yeah. come my way. Yeah. And um, Cause that I, it is was quite easier an for me. It was easier for me to leave. I felt for, that was mm. and I just yeah. couldn't keep up, keep up. Yeah. And because um, lear so learning how to sift the good kind of critique from the bad yeah. critique yeah. is a really yeah. important yeah. skill for for yeah. writers and groups. I yeah. Think, to and um, and I think you really do need to bring in work that is imperfect. Yes. Yeah. If you're really intellectually yeah. honest, you need yeah. to bring yeah. in. And um, I think everybody was bringing in pretty good work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were seeing it as performance. <laughs> that was, yes. that, no, that's just there my impression. That, that is yeah. just my impression. Yeah. And I could be completely wrong about that. That's, yeah. But that's, that was the impression that I formed. And um, so mostly, and then I attended Sheila O'Hagan's workshop come salon, salon intermittently oh, for a few years. Did, and yeah. that was, abs now that was a different kettle of fish because you went in there and um, you, you you usually came out alive, but you got honest <laughs> honest responses and helpful constructive yeah. responses. And I found it was oh, it was just a very sparkling salon. It was yeah, a, the it was last great. of the yes, salons, was, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was great. Yeah. you know, and um, that was always great when yeah. you go to it. Yeah. And I I found that terrific. It wasn't stuffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm probably saying all the wrong things here. No, no. no and no. that you see, but that had come out of Dublin Writers Workshop, which Ted and Sheila were both in, ah, right, and okay. half the yeah. people. Mm. Kind of what I feel happened at the end of Dublin Writers Workshop because it was completely open to the public. The sort of lunatic started taking over the asylum. That's a terrible thing to say. <laughs> and um, because so it was totally unfiltered. Yeah. And when yeah. there was too many people who had no experience of writing and too unfiltered. Yeah. The people who were very serious about it didn't feel they were getting heard or, or the type of critiquing mm, they yeah. were looking for. Mm. So Sheila's one, which I know at the time people accused it a bit of elitism, but you had to have at least a book published. Yeah. And it, it was just so that you could take the level of criticism yeah. you were going to give, I as think well as give good criticism. I think that's entirely fair, yeah. you know, yeah. like, to, to be honest, yeah. you know, I think any workshop that we any of us set up, and as you know, I'm running one in a sense at, at the moment. Um, you do want to be 
people who will work well together and be yes. provide yes. useful criticism, but who aren't afraid to be yeah. frank as well. And yeah. in that sense, yeah, because there is. It strikes me that like you know, the, there's quite a leap between the writing and you know the odd poem and going into a workshop, and then that next stage where you you do have a publication, yeah. and and even the sort of the the place to discuss what would be in a book as opposed to does this individual poem work mm. or, or just yes, those yeah, elements yeah. of craft. Like, did that salon provide the kind of the bridge for both of you in terms of, you know, moving from the workshop to the sort of the professional life of, of the writer? Or were there other elements in, in... Well, I there was a thing Dublin City Council, which I think they still run, um, attached to Trinity, where they have the writer-in-residence gives free workshops, six-week workshops, and you have to be accepted on it. You have to send in a certain amount of work. And I was lucky enough to get on three of them, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had Paula Meehan, Ivan Boland, and uh, a fiction writer. Um, I'm not going to be able to think of his name, George O'Brien. Oh, I share yeah. the same name mm. as my own. And uh, I, I found once I went to them and under... Ivan's tutelage started to take my writing life seriously yeah. or more, give it more space and more thing than I was giving it. I'd always taken it fairly seriously, but not yeah. pushed it or not mm -hmm. felt, mm -hmm. yeah. sort of didn't feel I had a place at the table. Yeah. And she very kindly and humor, humorously explained how a lot of women thought that and her famous thing that we all know about. They the think if I'm windows. writing, they don't wash the windows. And... Um, you know, did say this, and I took that to heart. I, yeah. I said, yes, I have to start taking this seriously or no one will take me seriously. Yeah. So, so because that, that was another thing that I wondered about asking both of you, that, that the sense of at what point you gave yourself permission to take yourself seriously as a writer, as opposed to, ah, uh, this is, yeah, this is a dabble. And, and I, I, I think I have, um, probably since I was in my mid-30s, I have taken mm. myself seriously as a writer. But I've had to learn to do it. Mm. I'll tell they, they, you know, the poetry I took deadly serious always because I felt it was, for me, it was just, it was my universe. It was the most, it was the place where I felt liberated to be and do and say and utter and experiment more than I ever could in my conventional day-to-day -day living. And so that's why, that is really why I love poetry. Mm -hmm. But um, when it came to writing my first novel, I'd been tinkering around with it, you know. And it was only when my husband said to me, um, Martin said, look, um, you planning on living forever or something? You know, you really do have a novel in you and you should get it out there. And something just slipped into place for me, that idea that of the sense of mortality. Yeah. And OK, I wanted to write a novel. And what was the point in being afraid of not being able to finish it? It was really <laughs> even though I still was, but um, that was a very helpful thing to me. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I still th I still use that thing, you know, um, the sense of our mortality and um, the energies that were given and hoping that I will use them well mm. and can continue to be productive. It's very important mm. to me. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think um, women who I, I had published um, um, I published two books before my before my first novel came out. One, my first collection of short stories, um, reading the sunflowers in September in 1990, 
Um, first collection of short stories, Strong Pagans, 1991, and then the novel in 92, mm -hmm. which was reprinted in 93 and was an Irish bestseller. Um, it took an awful lot for me to feel I wasn't going to be found out someday as a fake of some kind, to use that unfortunate word, yeah. or, well, you know, to actually believe, uh, yeah, this is what I do. Your but I have also now. found that throughout my life, right up to this day, I still have social encounters with people who um, who have a very who really suspect a woman writing that it's sort of maybe a hobby or yeah. you know or yeah. when you say yeah. you write they say um, well your own books or your <laughs> own or or I'm I'm giving a reading um, whose poetry are you reading yeah you know yeah um, so having to encounter that at my age now I'm I'm quite good at knocking it on its head now but it's it's absolutely astounding and yeah. I don't believe that men that yeah, older gosh, men yeah. who have published yes what have I published 13 or 14 yeah. books between fiction and poetry <laughs> would ever ever encounter yeah. no, that no I don't yeah. think they would yeah. and it is and it's about it men is insulting both, both but men it's also and women ignorant who you're meeting who it, are it was certainly right-wing middle-class women are full of it Okay. And I have yes. met a lot of those in my Broadside. time. Yeah. You know, and um, I'm, sorry to say, I'm sorry to say that, but it's yeah. yeah. true. The more yeah. right wing people are, yeah. the more you encounter this attitude. Yeah. And it is patronising and condescending, mm. of course. But they look, they can't help it either. But they probably haven't read but widely and, you know, and no. wouldn't know. No. Much. And so you're dealing with you're dealing with people who just actually probably don't know how to read. Yeah. And when I say that, I don't mean to sound elitist. It's yeah. a, it is, there is, to read well is an actual, is actually something that yeah. we have, we, those of us who read have learned from an early age yeah. Yeah. and take it seriously. It's not, um, you know, just yeah. Yeah. a couple yeah. of hundred pages of easy reading that mm. will tranquilize you. Yeah. Do you, do you get those sort of odd questions? Well, unlike Mary, as I don't yes. know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, in the sense of, you know, I don't write novels and short story now like Mary does. And, yeah. you know, Mary came off the blocks running in a lot of ways with that. Um, but I find when you're in company, you know, you, you really don't want to say I'm a poet because you think half of Ireland is saying I'm a poet, you know. And if you say, well, I write, and then they say, then they what think you're do a you hobbyist. Write? Yeah, what do you write? Would I have heard of you? And which is what I, I always say, find yeah. difficult. No, no I you say wouldn't. poetry, and then they say, oh, it's a lovely day, isn't it? And they go elsewhere. <laughs> That's what I found. It's a great way of clearing the room. Yeah. And the other one is um, sort of, yes, do you, are you a published poet? Yes. Are you? And again, like that, would I have heard of you? And I always say no, but I would say to them, how many poets have, have you, you heard, heard of? I yeah, know. Irish poets. Yeah. And they really stumble. Heaney, uh, Kennelly in his day, but they've Yates. forgotten him. Mm. Yeats, Paul Durkin. Yeah. That's about it. You that's know, fair. so I just say to them, well, I know four or five hundred, a lot of whom are making their living at this and widely published and we leave it at that. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it's terrible that I've had to, to be honest now, <laughs> to more to protect myself from the irritation that it sometimes causes me 
I have started in the last six months. If I sense I'm in the kind of company that's mm. going to say, have I read your work? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to say, I am saying I'm a retired physiotherapist. Oh, oh, okay, so you're okay. just not going to bring it into I just don't want to get into it. If yeah. I know I'm not going to be dealing with people again, I, yeah. I can't be bothered. Why yeah. not say you're a retired psychologist? That would get them on the run then. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I ever dodged that was when I worked in the insurance industry and I knew never tell oh. a taxi driver you work for the insurance industry. Oh, right. Okay. That is, okay. that's, that's a, a recipe for disaster. Um, Jean, you just recently published a new and selected. I did, I called did. Called Fish on a Bicycle. Fish on a Bicycle. In the process of putting that together, do you think you learned things about your poetry that you'd forgotten? Or was yeah, it surprising? Yeah, new and selected, yeah. Um, obviously, I trawled through some of the earlier books. And I think sometimes I found I preferred some of it than the later work, which I'm not sure you're meant to meant to find that or say that. Though, so it's funny yeah. you do say that because I do think sometimes there's something unsold, self-conscious, maybe and the joyous first about impulse, the early yes, stuff. Yes, the early I impulse. Would, I would agree. Although it's, I'm it's not very, sure, it's often very pure. Work. Joyous. A lot of it, as I say, was about my poor mother's mental illness. So I'm not sure joyous is yeah. the word, but as you say, the first impulse and. Yeah. The thing but now like Mary said there I was also genuinely very interested in nature and um, grew up along the Dodder River and spent an awful lot of my time I was quite uh, being from a family of six I was a very solitary child I think I was an odd child actually where probably. were you in the family were you I was middle middle, middle okay. um, youngest for seven years though so I say I always and then when my mother died I assumed eldest so yeah I've, I've done the three roles, but okay. I think I was fairly spoiled middle for a while yeah. in any spoiling that would have been there to be had. Yeah. You know, she spent an awful lot of time up in St. Pat's, etc. But I was very solitary and would go down to the daughter alone. I mean, can you imagine a child, especially a little mm. girl, being allowed to do that now and mm. did all the heeny things of the jam jars and the pinkeens and bringing them home and feeding them baby rice for some reason. And... Um, all that yeah. stuff so and I had read Gerald Durrell ah. as a child oh, and oh, absolutely well. loved too. it yes yeah. well I, yeah. I think I married my husband because he and I had both read and loved Gerald Durrell <laughs> I think it was one of the things well it's we, a good reason because you're still married to <laughs> yes, him we are so still <laughs> married I think it was Gerald Durrell isn't it wonderful Isn't to have it? had that, yeah, that privilege of having time mm. by yourself though yeah, even absolutely. if sometimes you were absolutely unhappy perhaps yeah, no I think once I was in my I, I think I daughter think I was perfectly when, happy when I look back to my childhood in Monaghan you know I, I grew up in a beautiful place with yeah. beautiful yes. drumlin yeah. fields yeah. around us and yes. a stream and stridleys and um, I was, we were in the yeah, country, yeah. so I, kn I know what it is to do that month by month exploring yes, what children yes, do where you're yes, rambling. Absolutely. It's a fabulous, yeah. it's and, a privilege to Literally making mm. your own entertainment, yeah. you know. I don't mm. know, as I say, you couldn't even dream of doing that now. Well, it seems to be that the sort of the, the solitary child, the observer, the, the, the reader, you know, then that was the... The, the recipe for, took, for, yeah, for being yeah. right. I, I suppose I worry now and I was feeling very guilty when you were saying earlier, Mary, about you know, knowing how to read that I think I have forgotten how to read simply mm -hmm. because social media has hijacked mm -hmm. 
my reading impulses. We have so allowed social media to hijack. We have reading. allowed, yes. Have I have allowed. to take responsibility for my addiction. It is <laughs> it true. It definitely true. disrupts concentration yes, and yes. Sure, retentiveness. Yeah. I do think yeah. it does. Because I, I suffer from that. And yeah. I, I actually have to, you know, I close down everything every so often. And I, I, I just make myself read the books that I've been planning on yes. reading. Yeah. yeah. Those yeah. And once I get are, into them, yeah, I discover, yeah. yes, Why that's, wasn't still I in there, these you know? all yeah. along? Yeah. yeah. No, it is. I mean, I think it is a, a you know, we will be the last generation that has that yeah. type of retentiveness yes. and yeah. concentration, which is terrifying. I do think, yeah. for well, unless some other method is found, you know, but yeah. for the moment, yes, that's how it that looks much. like. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mary, you translate a bit, yeah. a bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've translated uh, f more from the German yeah. than anything else, because that that used to be the language I spoke fairly fluently, um, but I, I'm out of touch with it at the moment. But I, I have translated about 40 of uh, the Austrian poet Ingeborg Bachmann's yeah. poems yeah. into English, some of which have been published. And and how did that sort of feed into your your creative impulse, if you like? I mean, why were you interested in another voice um, in another language? Well, you know, I think partly it came about when my daughter was quite small and I found that I found my I found I didn't know what to write about in a way. I was a bit overwhelmed by just being a parent and I wasn't sure if I would still be able to be a writer. You know, mm -hmm. this ridiculous, yeah, yeah. It, it is a bit ridiculous in, I think, looking, you know, this fear that people have that big life events will blot it all away. Mm. And of course it doesn't, mm. it just enriches it. But uh, I turned to translation. First of all, I loved Bachmann's poetry and I was, I responded very much to it. And um, it was a means of probably being in touch with poetry mm. just and maybe usefully. And mm. I think that's, that's all. Mm -hmm. And then I've done other bits from Dutch, which I, I, of course I don't speak, so I was depending on versions, but it's not unlike German, so I was yeah. able to mm. do that as well. Mm. And small bits of French to mm. English. Mm. That was in a, a translation workshop that I took part in in Paris in 1994, I think. Mm -hmm. So, but you haven't translated prose yet, have you? No, and I don't really intend to. You know, I have enough to do. <laughs> I don't really, no, I have no desire to do that. Yeah. Um, what is it about translation? I think I've enjoyed the the exchange. I enjoy the exchange yeah. but because I'm that kind of person. I, I think I'm, you know, the sort of, even in the world of writing, I'm the friendly sort that wants to keep the circle going, yes. yeah. actually. Yeah. I do yes. like uh, that. It's yeah. just my yes. nature. Yeah. And so I was very involved. I edited or co-edited um, an anthology of Galician women's poetry in 2010. It was published by Salmon. Yeah. My co-editor was Professor Manuela Palacios in the University of Santiago, Santiago de Compostela in Galicia, northwestern Spain. And um, so we got, she selected 10 Galician women and I selected 10 Irish writers, to translate. male and female, yeah. to translate. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't as fixed on having it all women, mm. actually. Um, and the idea was that each poet would translate five poems from the Galician, mm. four of them into English 
and one of them into Irish. So I was selecting carefully. I needed mm -hmm. people who could mm -hmm. also do the Irish. Mm -hmm. And it all went very well. Only one of them reneged on me and I had to get my husband to do the Irish translation of, of mm -hmm. one of them, of one poem, because the, the person was not forthcoming mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, And it wasn't a reciprocal, did the Galicians Well, you see, the Galicians have often paid great attention to us, and that was what prompted ah, the idea okay. originally. Yeah. I just had this Returning thunderbolt idea. Yeah. I thought, gosh, they, ha they had published a great deal of Irish poetry yeah. in translation. Yeah. And I thought, why aren't we? Mm. They're mm. looking to Ireland. They're yeah. reading all kinds of things into our mythology and our culture. They see a connection, yeah. and I felt it's time for us to, 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 to send the sound echo back to them. Yes, yeah. we're here. Yeah. We're yeah. hearing you, yes. yeah. and yeah. that's why we did it. Yeah. And I have to say, it was one of the most worthwhile projects I've ever done. Though yeah. it was, it was difficult in in a lot of ways, but it was really worthwhile because um, Galicia is hearing Ireland and listening to Ireland. It really is. Um, I found that quite moving, actually. Yeah, I, th I think we Irish have an assumption that we are of interest in a lot of other places around the world. And we are, but we don't have that generous instinct yes, to, to repay the compliment and yeah. bring stuff back in. Because, you know, I don't think Irish people translate, Irish writers translate to the extent that they do in Britain, for example, or, or elsewhere. I don't think... Yeah, I think you're you know, right mm. there. You know, there are not notable exceptions. And, um, and Theo Dorgan um, Yeah, that's right. He used to have a series of... Did, uh, what is yes, it called? The Poetry yeah. Network yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, I was involved in one of those. Um, mm. But that tended to be translation by committee. Or, you oh. know, there was a group. Mm. It yeah. was a very difficult yeah. thing to, to undertake. Yeah. Um, but um, the, the thing with Galicia... <coughs> the book was called To the Winds Our Sails and it, it received very good and respectful reviews, mm. I, I think, you know, mm -hmm. from what I could see. Mm. And um, But yeah, I think, you know, in a world where poetry is so shrunken down and not that many people buy it, I think it's even more imperative that those of us, if we have any languages or any facility like that, it's good to be interested in yeah. what the others are doing mm. yeah. and to bring it into our own broaden, place broad, broaden, broaden the focus. Yeah, broaden the conversation as well. In in terms of highs and lows, I was, I was uh, wondering this as well about, I suppose it's what, what keeps you going through the tough times that writers always mm -hmm. have, um, you know, how you sustain that basic impulse to, to keep putting the mark mm -hmm. on the page. You go first, Jean. I go first. I have to think uh, about it. I do, I do remember a long, long ago, um, and it was Paula Meehan who actually gave me the name of Dennis Gregg, you know, up in the north of yes. Ireland, mm -hmm. where they did that Lapwing Lap 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 series. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely fabulous. And it was Paula encouraged me to try Dennis, and uh, he said he'd publish a chapbook for me. And that kind of was that first, oh, you know, someone is interested in doing this. Mm. And it made me pay more attention to what I was doing, if you know what I mean. This idea, oh, I'll get something published. But yeah. then when it actually comes to the nitty gritty and Sheila Hagen always used to say, you're only as good as your last bad poem or something to that effect, <laughs> which terrified me. Yeah. Um, so to me, anyway, that would have been one of the first it made me want to keep going and keep 
and then I was actually uh, we were launching it in Court in Galway and Jesse Lendini from Salmon actually approached me and asked me had I a manuscript mm -hmm. of which I nearly fell over you know yeah. <laughs> this idea have I a manuscript yeah. had yeah. I hell you know yeah. and uh, I got a manuscript and Pat Boren, I know I'm mentioning everyone here, but Pat Boren very kindly went over it and over it with me. And looking back, he should have sent me home to write it all over again. He did so much work with me. And uh, he, I always remember he said, you haven't read this properly. I have. Mm. And I kind of, don't be ridiculous, I mm. wrote it. But he was right. Because I had written it, but I hadn't read it properly or with mm -hmm. an eye to publication. But but also I think that thing of, of seeing things together in, in, in book form, you're, you're not really thinking about what yeah. the subtext is, what the, the hidden story is in the association of all of those poems together. Yes. I, I remember I had my first book was um, edited by a guy called Chris O'Rourke who mm -hmm. brought out Incognito. Oh, yes, magazine. I remember that. Yes, yeah. I think he only published yeah. about three three yeah, books in, in his that. short publishing career. But his background was drama. And so mm -hmm. he was very used to kind of the idea of collaboration and production. All right. So he yeah. sat down, I remember it was downstairs here in, in, in the house uh, with all of the pages of poems sort of out on the floor. And he was saying, You've, you're telling the story so far and then you have a gap. We need to fill that gap. Mm -hmm. What poem mm -hmm. have you not yet written mm -hmm. that, all right, you know, so. and I, could not see that what with, with my about. sort of, yeah. you know, closeness to the woods yes, rather than the yeah. trees. But mm. but he and actually nobody has actually read my collections that closely since. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was it was such a, an enriching well, yeah. experience to have that kind of engagement with another creative head, I suppose. Um, so it does. Mm. But, you know, is there something about needing outside affirmation to keep you going or to make us see what what's in front of us yeah i mean you'd be a much is, more really. thematic I think, I think poet than i am mary wouldn't you i'm more magpie in my collection no i'm quite magpied i have to say but i am myself i don't and i i don't but i think there is a i think there's yeah. pressure on poets to write a, a thematic book you know yeah one or yeah, two overriding yeah. themes um but i don't think about that when i'm writing but like you know you're you're talking there about Jessie and I mm. have to say mm. she there's a few people who have been key to me feeling I can go on yeah maybe I had to have something to say Jessie also mm. approached me and said have you got a book no you know no, I uh, when I had been <laughs> let down by on uh, on others whom I won't name and um, uh, so she has always been a, a, an excellent presence and I hope to publish with her again yeah. I think yeah. the idea is that my next book may be with her in oh, fact yeah. because you know and um, but I also found by and large I had very good experiences with men who helped me. Uh, Philip McDermott, the yes. former owner mm -hmm. of Poolbeg mm -hmm. Press, had an attitude to publishing and getting books out and marketing. He had a whole vision that I'd never mm -hmm. before encountered yeah. when it came to yeah. my first novel. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was one of the most exciting periods of my literary life, yeah. I would say, yeah. when I was a young first time novelist. And um, he did good things. My book was published on the back of the success of Patricia Scanlon's City yeah. Girl. Yeah. Okay. Right. They had money to publish a okay. literary okay. title. Okay. It oh, was wow. yes. we, in some ways, we have been very lucky in Ireland to have publishers yes. that you can have a personal encounter yeah. yeah. with. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. 
I also found the same thing with um, New Island books that I published with subsequently. And um, who, you know, also Ark in England yeah. that published my last two books of poems. And um, I have met definitely some good people who encouraged me and yeah. gave me a leg up in Here, little ways. Oh, here's a question now, and it might be a slightly tough one, but yeah. did you find, because I was published by a British publisher for one of my books and found it quite difficult to get readings in Ireland because I had a British mm. publisher. Because <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah? Right. Uh, that's why I, I'm returning to Salmon. Okay. Um, my last two books were published by the Splendid Ark yeah. in, up in Todmorden in the north of England. I loved their books. I loved being part of the Ark enterprise, but I found so little take up in Ireland that I yeah. wondered if I had disappeared through the yeah. cracks completely. Right. Yeah. And I wonder why this is. Why yes, should a book right, that's written by an Irish absolutely. poet but published elsewhere mm -hmm. not also be welcomed and kept part of the absolutely. part of the party? Yeah. You know, because it's hardly an official policy of Poetry Ireland no, to, no, to only isn't. promote no, Irish no, published so, works. So, so uh, when it came to getting those books reviewed um, took a very very long time yeah, yeah. and readings forget it but on the other hand then I also think well you know I'm probably an older poet now and older mm -hmm. established poets mm -hmm. are also part of the furniture mm -hmm. and unless they yes. are winning major prizes yes. they're not of much interest yes. mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. the same for yes, fiction writers yeah. you yeah. know yeah. nobody's yeah. going to you're not hot yeah. when it comes to yeah. you know a, a lineup yeah. for for any festival and or is anything. that uh, is that always the way has it always been the way that it's what's new and young as opposed to mm. I think so myself a little Unless bit. Unless yeah. you are Seamus Heaney or Paul mm. Muldoon or the very, very top, yeah. then it's what's new and exciting and the, the squeezed middle, you know. Okay. And, <laughs> and it is, I think it yeah. is natural to yeah. constantly seek yeah. out the avant-garde, though yeah. I don't know that we have an avant-garde in Ireland even still, but the new, the young, that's yeah. understandable. I know that I had some wonderful times as a younger writer and I'm sure it was because I was young and still up and coming and you got offered things or if you applied for them mm. you had some chance mm. of getting them yeah. you know yeah um <clears throat> it's a different thing now and I I and I suppose it's a, in some ways it's of less interest to me the main thing for me is that I can is to I still write yeah. I will all I will write mm. till the yeah. day I drop I yeah. hope yeah because that, that, that was, I suppose, my follow-on, that, that if what gets you into writing is some sense of, of the excitement of, of, of self-expression, of mm -hmm. crafting, of making work, but with a sort of a, a, an assumption that there will be an audience, how you sustain yourself through the period we are now in, our mm -hmm. sort of you know, middle years, if you like, where perhaps the audiences aren't mm. there, uh, do you need the audience to continue to write or, or what sustains you? I do. I, I'm writing. It's not, I know we all write for ourselves in a way. Um, that's a, a kind of, it's a different matter. It's a philosophical ongoing conversation. Yeah. But I do need to know that um, if I send work story. out, it's being yes. published in yeah. this or that magazine. Yes. Yeah. And interestingly, you know, yeah, that, that keeps me going now as yeah. I work towards whichever the next book is I'm not sure whether yeah. it's poetry or fiction yeah. and um, the fact that the work is still being accepted out there is good yeah. I'm, I'm happy it means you're in the dialogue again yeah you know yeah or in some way yeah and Jean would your 
what's your take on that? I would agree with a lot of what Mary <coughs> said. Mary just says it a lot better <laughs> than I'd articulate it. Um, I think, for me anyway, I go through different periods. And about two years ago, I don't know why, I just nearly gave it all up. I sort of felt I wasn't making any inroads. I and didn't that, know that. Yeah, I, I got very what's the point and, yeah. and other than the point being that you know as you say at some level you write for yourself your yeah. own ideas but I found I wasn't getting published when I was sending it out by people who had previously always published me mm. and mm. I didn't know what had me changed mm. yeah and I couldn't understand I kept looking at my work to see had it, was it radically different or was what they were publishing radically different mm. or I mm. don't know but then maybe I all, all writers feel that maybe mm. everyone feels there's some clique out there that they're not part yeah. of and you know that other people will be saying what's she on about yeah. and I was talking to Patrick Cotter about that and he said to me you know down in Cork oh, Munster Literature yeah. Centre and Patrick said to me something to the effect of she you've arrived Jean that's some battle in your own head that you've been fighting for years he said you don't <coughs> need to be fighting that one anymore yeah you know and that's all well and good but I didn't see them rolling in to invite me to all the festivals when my new and selected came out which you know now very kindly Murrani Connell the leaves festival you know she's mm. I'm going to be with her this year yeah but that was about it yeah. you know when you sort of feel hmm. Patrick's words are still very yes. wise though I yes think. in a way you know, yes because, and yes um, but you I, wouldn't want to be complacent though Mary no I mean, no no absolutely not you know I think no. it is that yeah. that insecurity that that maybe drives you on. Or and, and I find, you know, you know we, we were talking off camera earlier about, you know, women and women who have been significant and say Yvonne Boland has yes, been significant yes. in your writing life. And, yes. um, now, what was I going to say and about Paula. that? Oh, yes. And, and, I I find, and Paula Meehan. And, but, <coughs> but, and there was a group, yeah, there was a group yeah. of us more or less in the same age group. I well, you know, I know Yvonne is older, but, you know, who probably aided and abetted one another. Um, but... I don't see myself as a feminist poet, although my first collection is very strongly informed by feminism, and I would regard myself as a feminist. As a feminist yeah. But I was Not listening a to um, a yeah. programme last night, the Brendan O'Connor conversation, oh, I don't know what yeah. it's called. Something right. on the edge or something? Yes, on yeah. Cutting Edge, cutting I think. Edge. And there was a woman on that whose name I forget. She had a minute to speak, and she was okay. a woman in her middle years who feels today's feminism has no space for her feminism. Yes, and yeah, um, yeah. I'm quite perturbed sometimes too. I I feel I I identified with what she was saying, mm -hmm. and um, like I I found it very odd to be when to be invited last Christmas to a party in the liquor rooms by the feminazis. All right, I, find I was in the liquor rooms last night. The, the feminazis, feminism, and yeah. Nazism. Yes. I yeah. know it's meant to be ironic and yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't find that funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the very worst thing that you could ever um, add to feminist. Yeah. Yes. Well. You know, true. Yes. And yeah. um, so awareness. Of and language so there's and a, you know, but yeah. so there's a lack. There's a, a different sense. There's something different going on that mm. I wouldn't necessarily recognise. Mm. And okay, it is after all an ideology. Mm. Mm. And uh, the best we can do is apply it in a practical sense in our lives. Mm. You know, as. Well, good fair say, women. I know Mary and I have daughters of a similar age, and I don't know about your daughter, but my daughter totally tells me 
it, I, I probably get the numbers wrong, I'm second wave feminist yes. and they're third wave and that I have nothing to say to them and all I just say is keep your eye on it girls, keep your eye very, very firmly on it and let's just see, you're very lucky to be white in the Western world in a yeah. particular, well you mightn't feel you are with Trump and what's happening in England but you know what I'm getting at. Yeah. As I said, not too far up the road they are still cutting women's genitals, doing all sorts of dreadful, dreadful things. Never take your eye off that one, whatever wave you're calling yeah. it. And you know, yeah, in, yeah actually my daughter said something did similar she, to me she. recently because I had said something which was, I don't know what it was, she felt I was l losing my feminist credentials and she said, Mommy, is this the woman who, t who explained to me about first, second and third wave feminism? I just don't <laughs> believe it. <laughs> So something must have got through, you know. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. think I'm every, pleased about that. Yeah, yeah every generation yeah. thinks that they know a lot more than the yes. previous generation yeah. until they get <coughs> to a certain age when they yeah. realise just how much. Absolutely. Um, yes. yeah. I, I I care very deeply about feminism, and last you night the, that mm. woman on the cutting edge, she 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 felt that feminism that we should be as concerned about female genital mutilation Absolutely. and say female illiteracy which yeah. of course is mm. vastly more than male illiter mm. illiteracy when people are yeah. very poor yeah. but she felt or th there was a woman on that panel who's half Nigerian and she felt yeah. the Irish woman was being condescending Ooh. by taking on Ooh, those subjects okay. as if okay. her whiteness was saying yes, well was we can help you dears yeah. Yeah. but in fact okay. I didn't think that was what she intended mm. I think it's up to us to be aware of everything. of everything. It is extraordinary how people so you, you assume can't that you have to be. I've written, which, which I hope is a delicate poem on the idea of female genital mutilation. And maybe it's not a good enough poem, but I certainly haven't had anyone offering to publish it for me. <laughs> that I have mm, noticed. Yeah. Now, maybe the poem isn't up to scratch, but. I have one in my first know, collection yeah. of poetry as yeah. well. Yeah. Because, uh, anyway, I suppose. Well, mm, if you have that poem here, no, no, I don't have it well, here. What, no, no. what did you bring? I, I brought one that um, is not in any of my collections. It's just published recently in Poetry Ireland. Am I allowed to give free ads for Poetry Ireland? Absolutely. It was in Vona Grork's um, last issue. Okay. And it was a poem about my mother and a misunderstanding and how things can happen where, um, as I say, she, she suffered with mental illness but how a misunderstanding can happen and uh, I, I let the poem talk for itself okay. and hope it does and it's called Suppose. Suppose that the hammer's trajectory had been a fraction more to the left, the wind direction easterly instead of west, or that he had turned his head instinctively on hearing something whoosh through the air, it would have been a different story. Suppose when I went into mother's room, excited to show my latest trawl of tadpoles, swimming their endless question marks in the mason jar. She had turned instead and dashed them to the floor where they floundered, open-mouthed and drowning in air, rather than distractedly pushing me out towards the door with a murmur of nice, nice. Suppose I had not turned at the last moment to see her raise her hand armed with a claw hammer and heft it through the already cracked glass of pain with a shout. Now you'll fix it, you bastard. I did, though, 
and everything splintered, and through the gaping maw of the frame, I saw my baby brother sit quietly in the garden, a red blanket under him, glass shards glittering all around like Chinese luck money, and just beyond in the long grass, the hammer with its head and cleft, buried and rendered harmless. Suppose my father and aunt had seen it from my vantage point and not what they thought they saw. My troubled mother fling a hammer at my brother's head. Had I not froze, been too shocked to talk, I could have told them. The doctor came and they gentled her out into the waiting car. She returned weeks later, eyes shattered, her speech hammered fragments. Wow. Very, very that is powerful. a fantastic poem. Yeah. Funnily enough, I was <laughs> thinking about it this morning. I was wondering, would you read it? And uh, obviously, yeah. I was. That suppose, that sort of re re yeah. repeated suppose. Which yeah. is based on a completely true. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the suppose yeah. probably drives a lot of our writing in the end. Yeah. Um, Mary, yeah. did you bring something? I did, yeah. I'll, um, um, <coughs> what'll I say? I think I'll read the the opening poem from this collection, Those April Fevers. This is the most recent, the the most most recent one. one. It was published in 2015. Yeah, lovely. And um, originally the book was to be called Baltic Amber and then in the end th the editor suggested that I might just take the phrase Those April Fevers instead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I agreed. Anyway, <coughs> and it's really a poem in, in which I think I'm considering time passing and age. Someone said I would uncover pieces of amber from long dead trees on this Baltic shoreline. Day by day, I leave the cottage, walk the sands to a headland village. Nobody understands what I mean when I mention amber, their minds engrossed by hazel branches hung with painted eggs, catkins, or hyacinths in bowls. The time for hyacinths is long gone, I tell them. I am in need of something that has survived more than winter, hardening to translucent gold, enclosing, perhaps, one small seed to honour the month and the Easter I was conceived. I have grown six decades like aeons, and my tears have surely become like amber, enriched and smooth, taking tawny colours for blood. Next week, I will be casual about the search, will uncover nuggets beneath tree fragments, inhaling salt and resin as I turn freely from eggs, catkins, those April fevers. Bravo. Thank you. So, so visual. <coughs> I've had to tell Mary I robbed her those April fevers. I just so loved it. Well, that's did you, you took the phrase. I took the phrase. It's I did the ultimate. Yeah, I took a great the compliment, actually. And I'm sure you italicised <laughs> it. I don't know if I did or not, well, but I will if I haven't. No, you Brilliant. should. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're coming to a sort of a, a, a close here. I'm just wondering what advice either of you might have to a writer, to a poet in particular, yeah. at the start or beginning their journey? Read, 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 read. Write, 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 write. Revise, revise, revise. <laughs> That'd be 
be nearly it. But yeah. yeah. Be honest, though. Everything, everything in life seems to you know, suggest yes. that one should be otherwise in yeah. a, as if you want to be a career mm. poet. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I think be honest and don't mm. suck up and read a lot and write a lot. Because the more you read, the better you will write. Yes, mm -hmm. And just attend the best readings and enjoy one another. That's what I think, instead of always competing. Mm. Mm. That's, that's a great piece of advice, hard to uh, follow through, I think sometimes that, yeah. that sort of anxiety of feeling that there's only a small cake and we're yes. all nibbling it. <laughs> Long hyenas and, and stale is. bread. Mary's very generous it, with the cake. Yeah. It is a small cake in yeah. a sense, isn't it? Yeah. But um, you know, like in a hundred years' time, nobody's going to care about any of us having no. written. No, nobody no. is going to care about no. most of us. I mean, there'll be the odd one, mm. but um, you know. So I th that's why I think it's really important to just be in the here and now and it's not I'm not into mindfulness and all that but the here yeah. and now of your work yeah yeah and paying attention yeah attention yeah yeah okay well that okay. that is great advice on which to end this thank you so much you. for coming yes, to the attic and thank and you for having chatting us, yeah. to us uh, really looking forward to the next work when it when it appears um, and thank you very much for for watching us um, we'll be back next month with goodness knows what um, but uh, please do join us and uh, spread the word yes I know that I'm just a dreamer I dream cause it's the closest I'll ever get to you